You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, I'm going to preface the beginning of this show with you know, our gimmick here. This is the same old dolphin show. Mm -hmm. And we pride ourselves in asking whether or not the team that we are cheering for is in fact still the same old dolphin show. Or are they still the same old dolphins, rather? Well, the Miami Dolphins went into Arizona. They beat Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals 34 to 31 behind a very impressive performance by their rookie quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, who is, in the eyes of many, the future, or the, the, I mean, he is the franchise going forward. And the hopes and dreams of Miami Dolphins fans rest upon his shoulders. And he had a very impressive performance as the Dolphins beat the Cardinals for their fourth consecutive win taking their record to 5-3, and three, putting them level with the Las Vegas Raiders and currently sitting in the seventh spot in the AFC. If the season ended today, the Dolphins would be a playoff team. So my question for you, are these the same old Dolphins? I mean, they look decidedly not like your same old Dolphins. That said... Look, it's been a while since the Dolphins have been, you know, since they've looked this good halfway through a season. You had a couple of years there where the Dolphins made the playoffs after slow starts, but they didn't look this good at this point in the season. And certainly not with a plus 61 point differential, with which right now is the fourth best point differential in the entire National Football League, which, you know, says that this team is better <laughs> than their five and three record, which is, is bizarre as a Dolphins fan, uh, that has been following this team now for over 30 years to see that uh it's been you know i would say this is as good a dolphins team has looked since 
since at least the Wanstead days, when you had a dominant defense and you had a team that you thought could, if they if they could just string together uh, a you know consecutive solid performances from the offense and just ma- get game management out of Jay Fiedler that the Dolphins had a legitimate shot at at winning the at winning the AFC getting to the Super Bowl this is as good a Dolphins team as we have seen since then and frankly because the offense is playing well and you have all of this promise surrounding Tua Tungavailoa Dare I say this is as promising a Dolphins season as we have seen since the Dan Marino era. That's how that's how good this team looks right now. But that said, when when you ask the question, is this still the same old Dolphins or is this different? My answer is let, let's take a look at the calendar and from from what i see it's still it's still fairly early in november and that means it there's still a lot of football left to be played and there's still a lot to be decided a lot can go awry uh but at the same time they could they could keep getting better it's exciting uh they certainly don't look like the same old dolphins brain but brain. I, i'm going to say it's brain. too early to tell brain are you yeah. all in on this team or what? Oh, I'm in. I'm in. I, see. I don't know. So you're I'm... all in. Well, well, but... well, when you say all in, what do you mean? Because I, no, I, I mean... think this is. I think this is a playoff team. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It looks like a playoff team to me. But it's like you and I have kept the Dolphins in recent years because of the lessons that we have learned from following this team. We have learned to keep the team at sort of arm's length. That why we cheer for them, we want them to do well, like we have, for the most part, done a very good job of falling into the trap of they win a few games and suddenly thinking, okay, here we are, we're ready to go, we're, we're, we're really close to being a, a contender. You know, even when the Dolphins made that run uh in uh Adam Gase's first year 2016 the last time they had a winning streak that was this long they won i think six games that six games in a row that year they ended up going to the playoffs never over the course of that season i think did either of us truly believe that that team was a legitimate contender they made it into the playoffs oh. and they got beat pretty badly granted they got beat pretty badly without Ryan Tannehill um at the helm in that game against Pittsburgh. But, you know, we, we sort of have learned the lesson as time has gone on to keep the team a little bit at, at arm's length. But this year... Well, are you, when you say you're when you say you're all in, are you saying, and you, and you compare that, making the statement that you just made, are you saying that you believe that this Dolphins team is a contender? I don't know if I, if I believe that they're a contender for the Super Bowl. But I'm all in on this project and what this team is doing. And yes, I really yes. feel like we're headed in the right direction right now. Do I believe that this team is is ready to go up against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and go into Kansas City in a, in a January Saturday night and, and or Sunday night and when it's 30 
two degrees and, and go in there and beat the Chiefs on the road? No, I don't believe that this team is ready to do that. However, we are building and we are improving and it's a pretty exciting time. And I think, and, and as you sort of said in the, in the open here, we are watching a team becoming. We are watching a team build and improve and a better Dolphins team that we have than, than anything that we have seen in recent memory. And, you know, if you, if you look at the Dolphins recent history, the last time they won a playoff game was the, was 2000. So 20 years ago. I, I would say that we are getting closer every day to the next time the Dolphins win a postseason game. That, that could be something that is within reach this season, perhaps. Um, but, you know, are they a Super Bowl contender? Not yet, but I'm very pleased with where things are going. And I feel like I have fully bought in to what Chris Greer and Brian Flores are doing. I, and I don't want to get into the Chris Greer conversation today because we'll have plenty of opportunities to do that because I know that you have a very healthy skepticism of Chris Greer. But right I now, he's done a good job. I feel like right now, this team is going in the right direction and it is a lot of fun. To watch this team. And that is something that we haven't been able to say for a long time. The Dolphins for the longest time have been, is, it's been a sort of a chore to watch them sometimes. But this season, this team is a lot of fun to watch. And I'm just, I am, I cannot wait. I find myself the games end and then I can't wait until the next one. And, and that's where I'm at. I can't wait for the next game. But before we get to that one, we need to go through and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of this game uh, the Dolphins had in Arizona against the Cardinals, and we are going to do that. But first, a reminder to everybody to make sure that you are following the Same Old Dolphins show on all of the channels. That is Twitter, at Same Old Dolphins. And of course, I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. And don't forget, Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins is our Facebook page. We invite you to follow us over there and like us there as well. We invite you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere you can get your podcast. You can find the Same Old Dolphins show. We invite you to follow along and be part of the Same Old Dolphins show family. And of course, every episode of the Same Old Dolphins show is available at DolphinsTalk.com, DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure that you're headed to DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. So, Brain, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly for this game against Arizona. And there is only one place to start if you're going to talk about the good from this performance. And that one place to start is at the quarterback position with Tua Tagovailoa because this was, you know, I, I went on that rant at the end of the last episode about everybody who wanted to have takes about how Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, really should still be the starting quarterback for this team. And I don't know how you watch this performance by Tua Tagovailoa and say, yeah, you know, it really still should have been Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, because for for all of the healthy skepticism that existed after that first Tua performance. I mean, he came out in this game and he was just balling out and we got to see all of the things that make you 
that made us excited about who Tua is as a player. You saw him with that elite ability to roll out and throw the ball on the run while hitting his target. The accuracy of his passes are just incredible. And while I think he struggled early in the game with some of the pressure that Arizona was was bringing him, he did something that I think is really impressive for any quarterback, but particularly for a quarterback making only his second start in the National Football League. The way that he adjusted to the pressure that Arizona was bringing and that, and the way that that translated into just his unreal ability to read the game and to understand what the defense was throwing at him and how that just improved over the course of the game, I think is really impressive for somebody who is really starting, you know, only in a second game against NFL defenses. This is, these are not, you know, even a guy who played in the SEC against some of the best college football teams, you know, that were out there, it's nothing compared to what you're facing in the National Football League. And he adjusted and and I thought looked just terrific in this game. Was he perfect? No. There were certainly some shortcomings. You know, he, he nearly threw that interception trying to throw the ball away. Um, he, he missed a pass in the end zone um, that... I actually think wasn't as bad of a miss as as you might think just at first glance. Um, but I mean, overall, this was this was what Miami Dolphin fans have been hoping to see from Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, I thought this was a really good game, and and like you said, uh, really showed off a lot of the strengths that were the reasons why he was drafted where he was, why there was so much excitement uh, about Tua, the accuracy, the mobility, uh, the ability to uh, have that accuracy while on the run, uh, to, to, to be on the move, but still keep his eyes downfield, that head never drops. And that's really, that's really his elite trait. I mean, he, he has several really good traits. His ability to, to go through his progressions, to get the ball out quickly, to diagnose, uh, the coverage and where to go with the ball quickly and then release it on time and accurately is really, really good. But the trait that I feel really makes him special is that trait that he is not just accurate on the move, but that when he gets out of the pocket and he's playing off script, his ability to beat you either with his legs or with his arms because he's continuously looking down the field even while moving out of the pocket uh, and playing off script. And then his ability to make that throw, not just keep his eyes downfield and find it and attempt to make the throw, but then to put the ball on the money. I think that's the, that's the trait that's really elite and special with him. And you saw that. You saw the accuracy on a couple of throws where he threaded the needle. The, the fade on the touchdown pass that tied the game up to Mac Hollins, uh, was, perfectly thrown what a pass i mean uh, unbelievable. i mean yeah and and so and and his ability his pocket presence uh 
on the play, I think it was the play right before that, or just a little before that, on that same drive, where he's under pressure, escapes the pressure, then is running, and then throws this little juke move to get enough yards for the first down. His underrated uh, ability to run the ball out of his shoes. Yeah, he, he, I said coming into it, he, you know, he's so good as a thrower that you almost forget how good of a runner he is. Look, he's not going to be mistaken for Kyler Murray. Somebody asked him in the press conference, are you as fast as Kyler Murray? And he said, no, it's not even close. And that's true. He's not Kyler Murray, but. He is, he is very underrated as a runner and you forget about it because, uh, he's so good as a passer and you forget about it because you've been so concerned about this hip injury that you even wonder, do you even want him running the ball? But you absolutely do because if he's healthy, it's a big part of his game and it's a huge advantage. And that was on display in this one as well. Uh, but the biggest thing was that he didn't hurt himself. Not not just physically, but 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 with turnovers, he didn't cost the team. Uh, he almost did. Uh, he's got to learn. He's got to learn how to throw the ball away because if he if there was one weakness that he did have coming out of college, it was that he would sometimes try to do too much and not throw the ball away, and it's so much. It's so much not in his DNA to throw the ball away that when he does throw the ball away, it's awkwardly bad and he almost turns the ball over. In fact, he threw the ball away twice in this game. Once it was almost picked off and the second time it was an intentional grounding where he threw it off of his own offensive lineman. And frankly, he's lucky lucky because that could end up getting kicked up in the air and intercepted. So he's got to get better at this throwing the ball away thing. But I think just a hunch. I think that's coachable. I think he can pick that that up. Yeah, this was just a fantastic performance for Tua. Ended up 20 of 28. For 248 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. He also ran for 35 yards on seven carries. I mean, this was just a great performance from Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, this wasn't an it wasn't an elite performance, but I mean, this was what you're really hoping to see. And if this is his second start, and he's putting together a performance like this, remember what I said after the Rams game. The Rams game was probably the worst kind of performance that you're ever going to see from him in the National Football League. Like, that's going to be his floor. And this was, as good as this is, I don't know that this was anywhere near where his ceiling is. And that's what's so exciting about Tua Tungavailoa. So a great performance from Tua leading the Dolphins. And not to mention leading the Dolphins on that clutch game-winning drive. At the end, and 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 also that drive to to tie the game at the end. What did they say? What did well, I, you you tweeted it out? Uh, what his numbers were on that last drive, or, or towards the end of the game? What his stats were there? I'm I'm in the process of pulling up. Here it is: 
Tua Tungavailoa on the final three Miami drives. This is from Jeff Kerr of CBS. He was six for eight for 77 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a 144.7 rating. Additionally, he had three carries for 24 yards, including a first down quarterbacks, or uh, including the quarterback sneak that sealed the game for the Miami Dolphins. It was just, I mean, that's what you want from your quarterback. You want your quarterback to come up and rise to the occasion and, and perform in the clutch. And that's something that the Dolphins have been missing for so long. And man, this it's just, listen, I don't want to get too carried away, but I, it's just really hard to not be super excited about Tua after this performance. And what a game it was to watch. I mean, you want to talk about good? Just watching this game was good. So much fun watching Tua versus Kyler Murray, um, two, two of the premier young quarterbacks in the National Football League, and I think we're going to probably be able to look forward to battles like this for years to come. I mean, the only thing that's kind of disappointing is that these guys are in, you know, they're only going to play each other once every four years in the regular season, so uh, we're going to have to hope they, uh, maybe they'll meet each other in the Super Bowl a couple times. I don't know. We'll see. Um also in the good category in this game, I think you can't talk about this game and good performances without talking about one of the greatest place kickers in the National Football League and who is just quickly rising to the top of the Miami Dolphins franchise leaderboards when it comes to great place kickers. Talking about the GOAT Jason Sanders, this man is out of control. Hit two field goals, two bombs under in pretty high leverage situations to really uh, help the Dolphins out. He kicks a field goal right at the half, 56 yards, nails it. He hits the 50-yarder uh, with, with you know towards the end of the game to put the Dolphins up 34-31. It ended up being the game-winning field goal. I mean, this guy's hit 20 field goals in a row. I mean, he's hit he's, 20 he's, field goals in a row. He's hitting the long ones. He's not missing extra points. He's kicking the ball out of the end zone. He's doing everything. He's... Right now, he's not only arguably the best kicker in Dolphins history, he is right now the best place kicker in the National Football League. That is a good take. I like that hot take. One hot hashtag one hot take from Aaron the Brain. Jason Sanders is the best kicker in the National Football League. And I'm not gonna argue with you. I mean, this guy is automatic right now. And it is it is awesome. It's awesome. So we got to talk about that as well. So that's another good aspect of this game. Uh, let's talk about, you know what, I, I want to, he wasn't great, but I want to give a shout out to Salvan Ahmed making his first career national, playing in his first game in the NFL, seven carries for 38 yards. He looked like he had a little bit of pep in his step. Uh, I mean, maybe that's because I was comparing him with Jordan One Yard, um, who uh, ended the game with 19 yards on 10 carries, averaging just under two yards per carry. Ended so an average of 1.9 yards per carry. He did have the one touchdown, and 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 in fact, he had 10 carries for 19 yards. If it wasn't for the fact that he had that eight-yard rush on the final possession of the game, he would have ended up almost exactly at an average of one yard per carry in this game. So, I mean, Jordan Howard always looks like he's, you know, I had an old baseball coach when I was a kid who, who once told me that I, I was running like I was carrying a piano on my back. 
And that is a perfect description for how Jordan Howard plays football. I mean, this is not a fast guy at all. This is this guy's slow. But so maybe it's because you're looking at Jordan Howard and then Savan Ahmed comes in and you're like, oh, okay. This guy's a little sprightly. But seven carries, 38 yards, decent performance from Ahmed. It's safe to say that if this is the running back group when the the, the Chargers game rolls around on Sunday, if Matt Breida is still not able to go um, and DeAndre Washington hasn't quite gotten a, the handle on things here in the Dolphins playbook, I don't need to see Jordan Howard. I just give the ball to Ahmed. He was fine. So I, I just wanted to give him a little shout too because I thought he I had will say a this. good game. What's that? I will say this. I mean, if you're inside the two-yard line, you know, Jordan Howard's been pretty solid at getting into the end zone. When you need, you know, what's the old saying that they used to say about fullbacks? It's like, if you need two yards, he'll get you two yards. If you need four yards, he'll get you two yards. That's pretty much Jordan Howard right now. Yeah. That's exactly who he is. That is exactly who he is. Uh, so, you know, listen, if he's just going to vulture touchdowns from people at the two-yard line, then that's fine. That's I fine. Mean, it's the Garrett put- Blunt roll. You know, still not picking him up on my fantasy team. Uh, listen, I, we can't move away from the good without talking about this defensive line again, particularly Emmanuel Ogba. What a signing he has turned out to be. I mean, I, there, there's an argument to be made that Emmanuel Ogba is one of the is one of the best acquisitions the Dolphins have made uh, when it comes to free agent acquisitions. That he's the best free agent acquisition they've made in in years. There's an argument to be made for it. I mean, he is really putting together a heck of a season right now. He had the strip sack on Murray that was picked up by Shaq Lawson and Lawson runs it back for the touchdown. Two straight games with a defensive touchdown for your Miami Dolphins. Uh, That's good. I'm just really impressed with the way that these Dolphins are playing defense and the way that things are schemed by Brian Flores and, and Josh Boyer. And, and listen, you know, listen, they gave up 31 points today and, and we talked about this, you know, in the, in the preview show, and I, and I tweeted it out on, on Sunday. The problem with Arizona is you could play them exactly right. You can make all the right plays, but when you've got a guy like Kyler Murray who just has that level of individual brilliance, sometimes there's nothing you can do. There's, there's only so much that you can do to, to scheme and try to, to, you know, eventually it comes on to one-on-one situations. And nine times out of 10, a guy like Kyler Murray is, if he finds himself one-on-one with somebody, as Camus Grugier-Hill found out in this game, if he finds himself one-on-one with somebody, he's the guy that's going to make the play, not your guy. But, uh, you know, all things considered, I thought the Dolphins did a, a really good job, um, you know, defensively in this game, doing just enough to allow themselves to win. And, of course, they got a little bit of an assist on that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show about how they got uh, helped out along the way. But let's move over to the bad. And uh, the bad here, I think we got to talk about this offensive line, Brain. Uh, it was not great. It was not great in this game. And I, and I, I also want to talk about why it looked like we saw a lot of Jesse Davis in this game. And and not a lot of Solomon Kindley. What was up with that? Solomon Kindley got benched. He got benched. Uh, look, they were having trouble uh, with the pressures that that Arizona was bringing, and Brian Flores made the move to you know Jesse Davis 
had been playing left tackle the last few weeks. Uh, Austin Jackson came back from injury. So Jesse Davis was relegated to the bench. They kept Robert Hunt at right tackle. Uh, and they were not happy with the way Solomon Kinley played, particularly in pass protection. So Jesse Davis got in there. Uh, and I think that's something to watch. They asked, you know, Brian Flores was asked about it post game and said, look, uh, we feel like we have six really good offensive linemen and it's going to be a rotation and we're going to play the guys that, that we feel give us the best chance to win on, at that given time. I think this is something to watch going forward. I, I, I wonder, was this a matter of, you know, was, was Solomon Kinley not a hundred percent? Was this a matchup thing? Uh, you know, what was going on there? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'll tell you this. Austin Jackson looked, looked rusty at left tackle. Uh, he, Solomon Kinley was not by any stretch the only offensive lineman that struggled in this game. Although, uh, guys like, uh, Jackson and Hunt and Flowers, uh, all had really good grades in the running game. And Kinley really struggled in this game. Uh, so I, I think that's something to, that bears watching. But for the second week in a row, th- this was not just the offensive line didn't play well this week. The offensive line did not play well last week. And Tua got a lot of the focus and a lot of the heat because a lot of people said, well, hey, this offensive line has been great all year. And now you throw Tua in there. Maybe this is a product of... Tua not having the control over the, the offensive line or, or being able to read things quick enough, a la Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that to a certain extent, there's credence to that. But this offensive line needs to play better. But that said, also for the second week in a row, I also think they went up against a really good defense and a, and two really good defenses that can apply pressure to the quarterback that do it in very different ways. Uh, so it's not like they, you know, could have gotten, you know, gleamed a lot of lessons from their game last week against the Rams, uh, to apply those to this game against the Cardinals because the two teams do it so differently. The Rams do it with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers and just having just four really good linemen that can get after the quarterback and they never blitz. And the Cardinals do it by blitzing about as much as anybody in the league and throwing exotic blitzes. So you don't know where they're coming from. Um, and so everybody, the Dolphins aren't the first offensive line to struggle against either of those defenses. Uh, so I think it, it bears watching. Look, next week is not an easy test for them either. The Chargers have a really good uh, pass-rushing defensive line. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they progress. We knew coming into the season, this was the most questionable part of arguably the entire team. And we've been blessed for the vast majority of the first half of the season that they've been much, much better than expected. But over the last two weeks, you've started to see some cracks uh, and you hope that, you know, with Austin Jackson coming back from injury, maybe this was, he's got to shake the rust off a little bit. Um, 
you know, hopefully they can get back to to being, you know, if not dominant, at least, you know, let, let's protect Tua a little bit. Let's not make things so difficult uh, on our offense because ultimately the way Tua's playing, uh, the only thing holding this offense back from, from really taking the next step is that offensive line taking the next step. And that's hopefully something that we'll be able to say. I don't know that we're going to see that this year, but that'll certainly be one of those areas that's going to be uh, that the Dolphins are going to look to improve in in the offseason coming up. And I think they're also going to try to surround Tua with a little bit more talent at the skill positions next year. It'll be interesting to see what the deal is with uh, Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns. And I, I feel pretty strongly that this is a Dolphins team that is going to be looking to draft the running back next year as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, there's, there are still pieces that this team is in need of, but like we said, they're doing some good things right now. And, uh, you know, here's another thing I want to mention as a bad, can I, can I mention this? Uh, Christian Wilkins, this guy's going to kill somebody celebrating with his well, teammates. He, he, the, he, he, Preston Williams leaves the game with a foot sprain because Christian Wilkins jumps on him after he scores the touchdown. Well, Preston Wilson, Preston, uh, not Preston Williams, uh, Christian Wilkins, gotta, gotta take it easy here. We gotta, we gotta well, I, tone down these celebrations a little bit. I, I appreciate the enthusiasm and the energy. That is good. I like that. I, I like, I love his energy. He's an incredible personality. The, the character of Christian Wilkins is just an amazing guy that I am so glad that he is on our team. But dude, let's just calm down a little bit. When you when somebody scores a touchdown, you, I mean, I appreciate you running onto the field, but you don't want to be taking out your own players. We don't need to be like you know. This is this. I don't need a, a twenty twenty Martin Gramatica in here, or a nineteen ninety whatever Gus Farratt. All right, we don't we don't need you know. Who else um, did it? Vontae Davis hurt himself on a celebration once. You know, um, we can't we can't do that. We got we got for what it's worth. For what it's worth, the Dolphins have have taken the stance that Preston Williams did hurt himself prior to the celebration. Yeah, I don't know if I'm buying it. I don't it. know that I'm buying it because the know. video evidence seems to suggest otherwise. It's pretty overwhelming there. Yeah, but so. uh for what it's worth, the Dolphins are saying that Preston Williams hurt himself prior to the touchdown. Fair enough. Well, at least it's only, uh, it, it appears to be only a minor injury. So that's certainly a good thing going forward as well. Um, listen, not a lot of bad in this game. This was just really good. I, I mean, I guess you could talk about bad was, uh, you know, Byron Jones getting roasted by Christian Kirk. That was pretty Look. bad. Um, but you know what? But this was also a situation where he was not anticipating, and this is, you know, this is his fault, but I mean, he was not anticipating Kirk's speed. And when these, when the Dolphins were coming in with some of that zero blitz action and he had no help over the top, um, you know, Kyler just threw a perfect pass up there and, and Christian Kirk just roasted him, roasted Byron Jones into a crisp. My problem was not that play. I mean, yeah, that play was was problematic because it was a big play in the game. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I I still have questions, and I I'm I'm waiting to see kind of the analysis from the all twenty two on this game because 
at first glance, I did think that that was a situation where it was a zero blitz and it was man coverage and he was just roasted. Uh, but when they showed it back on the replay, it appeared to me that Eric Rowe was not in man coverage, that Eric Rowe had taken a few steps back and was actually playing a zone and maybe that Eric Rowe was supposed to be playing a deep center field in that play, which I'm not certain on that simply because Eric Rowe really never plays that deep center field role. And if he is, that's a weird uh, way to play him. But maybe that was kind of the object there was that they weren't going to expect it and that maybe he was supposed to have the coverage over the top and Byron Jones, as he loves to do, was going to be playing that trail route and then Eric Rowe was not over the top and, and that's why you got essentially a blown coverage. My sneaking suspicion is that was the case in that play, but that wasn't my big problem with Byron Jones. The big problem that I had with Byron Jones was on the 21-yard touchdown pass in the third quarter from Kyler Murray to Daryl Daniels, where once again, Byron Jones is playing the trail route and Kyler throws this pass and Byron Jones has this ball in his hands in the end zone and Daryl Daniels takes it away from him Mm -hmm. for the touchdown. And this is, that's a huge swing in the game. That's a play that ultimately ties the game up at 24. And if, if Byron Jones makes the play that he should make, look, you're paying Byron Jones a lot of money. And I realize that ball skills are not his strength. But when you're paying a corner that much money and the ball is in his hands, He's got to make that play. And he certainly cannot allow the ball to be just ripped away for a touchdown. That's it. If the Dolphins don't win this game, that's arguably the play of the game right there. Uh, so like that was huge. Now I will give Byron Jones this ultimately on. I, I don't remember if it was prior to the the third and one or the fourth and one, but it was prior to one of those short yardage pos- uh, possessions or one of those short yardage plays in the fourth quarter where the Dolphins ultimately made the stops that won them this football game. Byron Jones laid a big time hit on Kyler Murray to stop him short of the first down. So I'll give Byron Jones the credit that even though he had a bad game and he, you know, you, you can make the case. He almost cost the dolphins this game. He did come up with a big play when it mattered most. Uh, and, and kudos to him for that. But that said, Byron Jones absolutely has to play better. This was not a good game. Whether that was a blown coverage on the Christian Kirk pass or not, the Daryl Daniels touchdown pass should have been an interception or at the very least an incomplete pass. Yeah, not the best game for Byron Jones in this one. Um, shout out to Savian Howard, who had three pass interferences called on him. But you know what? <laughs> Uh, not all of them were great calls, first of all. And the other thing is, you're you're up against DeAndre Hopkins, one of the premier wide receivers in this league. You hold him to three receptions for 30 yards. You know what? Yeah, you had a good day. 
Xavier Howard. Maybe not your finest day, but it was it was good enough for me because you know what you you listen. That's the thing that you got to do with a team like Arizona. You 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 got to take away some of their weapons and say you're going to beat us other ways. So if you have if you if you force the Cardinals to beat you with card with uh, Kyler Murray throwing bombs to Christian Kirk, then so be it. But you know at least it's not. The number one weapon. You, you took him away. And I, I think that's all right. And the other thing with Xavier Howard is that on that fourth and one, look, Alandon Roberts is there. Zach Sealer made the play. But guess who else is there to wrap up and make sure that the running, that Chase Edmonds doesn't get the first down? Xavier Howard. The Dolphins' two corners maybe didn't have their absolute best games defending the pass. But they came up with some big time tackles, which that's that's huge coming it's from really your great to have players who are so good that even when they're not having their best game, they're still making big plays and they're still making contributions for the team. That's a really great thing to have. Um, we're going to move to the ugly in this game now, but there's one other bad thing that I want to mention. Have you heard, Brain, the radio call from South Florida? when Zane Gonzalez misses that 49-yard field goal at the end of the game. Have you heard no. this? No. Oh my god. I'm going to put it I'm going to put it in the in I'm going to edit it into the podcast. So, you know, those of you who are watching it on YouTube, you won't get this, but if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you're going to hear it right now. And he's sending them out to tie it. Wow. Got to kick it, but Dolphins are going to end up having a... Holy smokes, plenty of time. A minute and 50-some left. Zane Gonzalez is two of three from 50-plus this year. He has a long of 56. Dolphins have one timeout remaining. This will be a 49-yard field goal, it seems. Kick is up, and the kick is good. And so we're tied with one foot. No, oh, it's you short. It. it shorted it. Yeah, you it it was right forward. down the kick middle, and it was if the wind came out the spot of the kick. and blew First it dead. No That's juice on unbelievable. it. It's so bad. You just watch the game. They're not watching the game. It's like what did they Cephalo think that he sees made the it? kick. It's on its way. He sees the kick that it's on its way, and he goes, ah, well, and it's good. The game is tied, blah, 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 blah. And then two <laughs> seconds later, they have this freak out about it being short. Anyway. Oh, that's like uh, that's like Bobby Bowden on the wide right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wait, he missed? <laughs> no. I thought he got it. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Bad on the Dolphins. I mean, I, listen, I'm not a big fan of the Dolphins radio. Uh, Cephalo, I don't really care for on play-by-play anyway, but uh, this was this was particularly bad. As bad as that was, though, their, their call of the strip sack was the strip sack uh, scoop and score touchdown was actually very good. Dolphins showing six guys at the line of scrimmage trying to create some confusion. Murray moving to his right, getting pressured. He dropped the football. It's on the ground. Akba forced it, and it's Shaq Lawson down the sideline. Touchdown, Miami. How about that? Oh, my gosh, what a play. The pressure once again. The Dolphins go with a blitz. Kyler Murray just looked lost. That doesn't happen a lot. You have got to be kidding me. Wow. Back-to-back weeks of getting pressure on the quarterback, <laughs> strip sacks for touchdowns. 
you just can't make this stuff up to me. It's so hard to score defensively in this yeah. league, and you do it back-to-back weeks on a huge play. Great call by Josh Boyer and that defensive staff. Boy, Ogba on one side. Shaq Lawson says, thanks, partner. I'll take it from here. All right. Let's talk about the ugly. And really, the ugly in this game doesn't come from the Miami Dolphins. It comes from the assist that the Miami Dolphins got from Cliff Kingsbury, who after watching Kyler Murray convert, uh, I think, three fourth downs in this game, finally on the final, or on the penultimate possession of the game for Arizona, on a fourth and one, takes the ball out of Kyler Murray's hand, has him handed off to Chase Edmonds, who is promptly wrapped up short of the first down to give the Dolphins the ball, where they then turn around and go back and take the lead with a field goal. And then the other decision, and this is the one that I could not believe in the moment, was down by three with under two minutes to go. It's fourth and one. And rather than going for it, Cliff Kingsbury decides I'm going to go out and trot out my kicker who, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, he misses the kick, but in a situation where he makes the kick, it's a tie game and you're giving the ball to your opponent with just under two minutes and all their timeouts. It was such a bad decision to me. I couldn't believe that this was what this guy is doing. This was the decision that he made. It was, listen, I'm not complaining. I'm very grateful that Cliff Kingsbury made this awful decision, but that's the kind of thing that that's the kind of, you know, bad coaching mistakes that, you know, you've seen from Dolphins coaches in the past. And so it was kind of nice to see it from an opponent for a change. So Cliff Kingsbury uh, makes some mistakes down the, down the stretch, takes the ball out of his quarterback's hands, decides to go for a field goal to tie the game with, you know, plenty of time on the clock. And, you know, he he played not to lose instead of playing to win. And as a result, when you play not to lose, most often you're going to lose. And the Cardinals lost. And I'm very happy about it. So that's my that's my ugly for the game. Brain, it looks like you have an opinion about this. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with him kicking the field goal. I, I think you, you don't expect to miss a kick that's less than 50 yards short. Yeah, but why Why are you kicking no, the tie the game with the two prob- minutes to go and the other team has all the timeouts left? Well, because it's fourth down. It's fourth down and you've got an opportunity it's to kick a field goal. fourth and one and you've got Kyler Murray as your quarterback. Okay, but that's, the problem isn't the fourth and one decision to kick a field goal of less than 50 yards. An NFL kicker should never... Look, a, a kick... Under 50 yards is not necessarily a gimme, but considering you're playing, uh, in, in, you know, the desert, there's not much wind, uh, you're playing on turf and it, like it, it, I'm not saying it should have been a gimme, but you should not miss it short. You feel like you have a good shot at making a field goal under 50 yards. So Look, if it comes down to it, what happens if you get the, you, you pick up the first down in all likelihood? Yes, you've got a shot at maybe getting a, you know, getting another shot at the end zone, but in all likelihood, 
you're taking another field goal anyway. Um, the right, problem but if you're going to do that the, anyway. The problem, yeah, but it doesn't matter. The problem isn't that. The problem is, is that twice before on fourth and one, they called, they called Kyler Murray's number and he got the first down easily. He'd been scorching the Dolphins and shredding the Dolphins offense all game. They had no answer for him. Then they had a fourth and one on the previous possession. They took the ball out of his hands and it didn't work. Then they get another third and one and they do it again (laughs) and they call a pass play. Uh, so like, there's your issue. There's my issue. One of Kyler Murray's worst passes of the game. Probably his worst pass of the game was on that third and one. My issue is not deciding to kick a field goal there because you could go you you could go till you're blue in the face about this because like if they go for it on fourth and one and they and he gets stopped then you're saying well why didn't you just kick the 47 yard field goal it's a 47 yard field goal you're you're more than in field goal range i like i'm not going to fault them for kicking the field goal but i am going to fault them for twice having a situation with a with one yard to go and not going with the play that's worked all game long uh and the dolphins showed no signs of stopping it like you do something until the defense proves they can stop it and Arizona did not do that this was an example of Cliff Kingsbury uh just getting too cute and that's yeah, see- and, and when you get too cute uh, this kind of thing. It was a very Adam Gase move by Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. See, my argument against what you're saying here, Brain, is even if, let's say you go for the fourth down, fourth rather than kicking the field goal, right? You go for it. You get your first down. You have more opportunities to go and score the touchdown. And the fact is, even if you don't score the touchdown, if you end up not being able to make it into the end zone, you end up having to settle for a field goal anyway, then you're settling for a field goal with a minute on the clock versus a minute 50. There's, but what if there's you don't a lot get the first of, down? What's that? But what if you don't get the first down? Well, if you don't get the first down, you don't get the first down. But I'm, I, the way to look at it is I'm in favor of almost never kicking it away on a fourth and one in your opponent's territory. I, I'm, I think you want to be aggressive in that situation, especially in a situation where the game is on the line and you've got a quarterback like Kyler Murray and you've shown a propensity for picking up the first down already. You just have a much, much better chance, a much, you're giving yourself a better chance to win if you go for it there. But he didn't go for it there. And again, I'm not mad about it. I just think it's stupid. And you know what? Thanks. Thanks, Cliff Kingsbury. I'll take it. The Dolphins get the win. 34-31. They are sitting at 5-3, and three, a game and a half behind the Buffalo Bills who knocked off the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. So the Dolphins still sitting pretty right in the thick of things in the AFC, as I said, level with the Las Vegas Raiders at five and three. Uh, the NFL and the owners have now approved the addition of an eighth playoff team in each conference in the event that games end up being canceled due to uh, COVID-19. So that's now happening. So if we find ourselves in a situation, I don't know what the... 
at this point what the sort of threshold is, like how many games need to be canceled before they start looking at adding that eighth team. But anyway, the Dolphins find themselves right in the thick of the playoff hunt. And and I don't want to go get too crazy and start looking ahead, but I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> because let's take a look at the Dolphins' schedule coming up here. Dolphins are at, at are at home against the Chargers, at Denver, at home against the Jets. I'm sorry, at the Jets, and then at home against the Bengals. Those are four eminently winnable games coming up. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win all of those games because you know it's the Dolphins are. It's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility that the Dolphins end up losing one of those games, particularly that Chargers game. The Chargers are just talk about a coach that makes bad decisions. Hello, Anthony Lynn. How are you? But they're a tough team and they've got a very talented quarterback in Justin Herbert. And uh, then they've, they're up against the Broncos who have a very tough defense. They're up against the Jets. That's a win. And then they've got a game against Joe Burrow and the Bengals who as good as Joe Burrow is, there's a mess the the rest of the Bengals are kind of a mess. But if the Dolphins should get through that, for, let's say they don't win them all. Let's say they they go three and one in those four games. You got an eight and four team coming down the home stretch for the final four games is the season against the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills. I think we're almost definitely that Dolphins Raiders game is going to get moved to a Saturday and be a nationally televised game based on the way things are going at this point. Uh, listen. The Dolphins are right here. They are right there. That I don't know that anybody expected them to be five and three at this point. Um, they are, they're certainly outperforming expectations and it's a very good thing. I think everybody, anybody who's a reasonable Dolphins fan is excited about what this team is bringing to the table right now. And they're in really good shape. The fact is, is that. This win combined with the last win against the Rams. I mean, you could lump in the other two, the the blowouts against. Dolphins went three uh, and one against the NFC West, which is considered the best division in football. But when you look in particular at these last two wins and then at this one, a game that they trailed in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, so, the, you know, for the first time this season, they won a game where they weren't where they didn't just absolutely blow the team out of the water in the first half, where they were just kind of hanging on to a lead in the second half. They actually had to squeak one out. They actually had to come from behind in the fourth quarter. That's a big growing experience. The fact that they did it on the road is huge. The fact that they did it against a team that was playing as well as Arizona was playing, uh, that's huge. The expectation now, like... The expectations coming into the season was that, you know, you hoped that this was going to be a team that would be competitive and maybe they could sneak into the playoffs or be in the playoff picture. That's out, that, that's no more. That, that expectation has been surpassed now. The new expectation is this is a playoff team. Uh, when you look at these next four games, the Dolphins are going to be favored in all of these games. You're right. They might not win them all. And, you know, that's going to go, that's going to have a lot to do with the way this team ends up finishing. Are they able to take care of business now that they have real expectations? Now that teams are not going to be overlooking them, can they 
continue to string out these victories uh, now that, you know, can they continue to play at the level that they've played at even when they are expected to win? That's going to be key to watch. If the Dolphins come out of this eight and four, uh, I still at that point, I mean, at that point, you feel really, really good about a playoff berth, especially with the extra team, assuming that, you know, we get through the 16 game season and we're, we're only talking seven playoff teams and not eight playoff teams. I mean, if we're talking eight playoff teams, uh, especially if they're ending the season, you know, sooner then especially if the Dolphins don't have to go through the murderer's row of having to play Kansas City, uh, New England, Buffalo, uh, that game against Vegas, which is going to be, you know, which is scheduled to be a really good game. You know, that would be even more helpful. And you would say, oh, for certain, the Dolphins will be one of the eight playoff teams in the AFC. But even if they go through the entire 16 game schedule, if they go into eight and four, Going into that game against Kansas City, uh, going into those last four games, I think you feel really good that they probably only need to win one of them to get into the playoffs. Uh, so they, the, the table is set for them to make a playoff run. Uh, so we're going to find out if this team is, is for real or not. Um, I get the inclination that we're going to be at the very least, eight and four going into those last four games. And I'm really excited to see how they play down the stretch run. But again, look, a lot can happen. Uh, these, these games are not gimmies. Uh, the, the Chargers have lost a lot of close games. I have no doubt that, uh, they're going to put up a fight against Miami. I don't think Denver is a pushover either. And frankly, as much as the Jets are awful, Stop uh, it. And haven't won a game. Stop look, it. Look, look. Stop the Jets, it. The, the Jets almost beat the Patriots. And the I know Patriots what you're going to say. I know too. what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say the Patriots are not very good. They lost however many games in a row prior to that. I got news for you. Don't be surprised if we go into that game against the Patriots in late December or January or whenever that game is. And the Dolphins are up by one game in the in the standings. And if they if we do, as a Dolphins fan, you'd be crazy not to be worried going into a game against New England in December, up one game, knowing that New England absolutely had their way with you in the in the season opener. New England is not done. I know that I've seen this too many. And yes, Tom Brady's not coming out of that locker room. I get that, but New England is not done until they are mathematically done. We're going to see what happens down the stretch. It's an exciting time to be a Miami Dolphin fan. So we've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad. We've talked about the ugly. Something else that's ugly? You're below the belt area when you don't visit Manscaped. Well, am I below the belt area? Not, not well, when you don't go to Manscaped. If you don't go to Manscaped. And take care of your uh, your your things there. You got to get the perfect package. You got to get the weed whacker. You got to get the lawnmower. You got to get all the tools. Because if you don't get all those tools, it's gonna be your tools gonna be pretty disappointed with you there. So make sure you head over to Manscaped.com and get your premier men's below the belt grooming equipment 
Get it at Manscaped. And if you use the promo code Dolphins Talk at checkout, you're going to save 20% off your order. You're going to get free shipping. And that's a pretty good deal. So, once again, manscaped.com for all of the essentials. And it's, listen, it's not just, it's not just razors. You can get, they got cologne. They got mints over there. They got, uh, they got, Things to, to, to clean off your feet. They got general body wash. They have a, a, a razor for your face as well. A lot of great products over there at manscaped.com. Very good quality. So highly recommended. Head over to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Dolphins Talk at checkout. That's all one word Dolphins Talk, D O L P H I N S T A L K. Use that promo code at checkout. You will save 20% off and get free shipping. And then. Well, you're below the belt area, not going to be quite as ugly as it had been before. Rain, that is just about going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. You want to take out any parting shots for the people before we uh, before we hang it up here? No, I'm just, uh, look, I'm like you. This is I'm like excited. the most positive you've been on this show, I think, ever. Uh, look, I'm excited. I'm just like the you know the majority of our listeners i'm rooting for the dolphins to uh to to make things happen i'm very 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 excited about the future of this team and i'm bought in that this is a playoff team this year but i've seen teams i've seen many dolphins teams be playoff teams at this point in in the season at this oh, juncture yes. and lose a game or two that you weren't expecting and then all of a sudden you go into to December where the schedule is tougher and and all of a sudden you're you're finishing the season 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 I'll say this though um this team is in a it has a different feel organizationally than some of the other teams that even if this Dolphins team was to turn out to do a very same old Dolphins thing and finish eight and eight or nine and seven and, and some, and not make the playoffs. The fact that we've got to, and that he looks great. And the fact that we have all of these draft picks and all of this roster flexibility, uh, the future is extremely bright. And I can't remember the last time that I felt this strongly about the Dolphins' future because I feel like ever since, as long as I followed this team, it has always been a year to year plan of how do we take the next step this year? Who do we add in free agency this year to put us over the top? And we've actually taken a pragmatic approach for a couple of years that we weren't necessarily putting all of our eggs in the basket of trying to win this season. And it's working. And so <laughs> no matter what happens this year, I'm very, very excited about the future of this program. Uh, and look, Brian Flores at this point, um, he may very well be the 
the best coach that the Miami Dolphins have had since Don Shula. Very possible. And that's, and he's- you know, and, and, and that's not to say that Jimmy Johnson wasn't a great coach, but Jimmy Johnson as the head coach of the Dolphins, uh, was not the same Jimmy Johnson that was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys or the Miami Hurricanes before that. That's true. And Brian Flores, I think, very much in the conversation for NFL head coach of the year. And I think that's, uh, an understatement at this point. So, uh, listen, things are good. Things are trending good. But you know what? There's always still time for uh, same old Dolphins things to occur. Hopefully, they do not. We will be back in just a couple of days with a preview of the Dolphins' upcoming game against the Los Angeles Chargers and another one of those rookie quarterbacks, Justin Herbert. We're going to be talking about all of that on the next episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. In the meantime, be sure to take care of yourselves and each other and visit DolphinsTalk.com every single day, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!